You know what I had to do this morning while you were taking your son to his doctor's appointment? Read Twitter about how badly you're getting shit kicked right now. Oh, my God. These fans are ridiculous. Oh, Mike Peck is the greatest. <laughs> Mike Peck is. Oh, he showed you ribs. Oh, Whatever. Well, shall we get into that? He didn't show me shit. I'll tell you that right now. Because Mike Pekka, maybe I struck a chord. Maybe I struck a chord with, with, with Mr. Pekka. Maybe he, he agrees deep down inside that they had no business going to the Stanley Cup finals with that hockey team. But they had one of the greatest, goal te- greatest goaltenders of all time. Not quite as good as Marty Berdur, which I said yesterday, which riled up the old Sabre group here. Like, come on, you can't say that about our number one greatest player of, in the history, Dominic Hass. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Because Marty Berdur is the best goaltender. And Dominic so, Hass is so right those- there tied at number two with Patrick Waugh. For those that is, don't, is that a don't, bad take. Um, I played with Berdur. So, I mean, and it was only okay. one year and it was, give you know, me, it was give after me your thoughts on it. Then it was after give me your thoughts all, on the broken, person. almost all the records. The year that I played with him, he broke the shutout record actually in Buffalo, tied it in Pittsburgh right before Christmas and then broke it in Buffalo games, played record, the win record minutes, Stanley, played how many Stanley record, Cups does he have? three. What does Hasek have? Two. Okay. So, so he, he basically had to go. He did what Ray Bork did, and he went to oh, basically no, an no, already absolutely Ray Bork Stanley Cup. Oh my God! You're yeah. gonna, you're gonna piss off a ton of of hockey people. And what, are we all Bork. gonna sit here and say that you know Ray Bork uh, is is you know that he he didn't go to a team that was already absolutely stacked. He got traded at the deadline. He was there for what? 15 games and into the playoffs, they were already good. They were already stacked and they ended up getting Ray Bork at what? 40 some years old. And he went and won a Stanley cup. Great for Ray. Awesome. Dominic Hasek's no different. That team that he was on was, was, was like watching an all-star game in, in February. pieces to those teams. What do you, what do you mean? Like you say it like, uh, like Ray Bork didn't add anything to Colorado when he got traded there, or Dominic Hasek didn't add anything to Detroit. Like, yes, their teams were stacked, but those are sometimes the key moves you have to make in order to win a Stanley Cup. I, I, I'm a little confused at what you're saying here, but that's fine. I mean, so Ray Bork went there. He played 14 games for the Avs when he got traded. He had 38 points in 65 games, minus 11 with Boston. How many games year. did he play? With who? With Colorado when he got traded. 14. Would you like, would you like to 14 know? 14 games. Well, How he many played, games 80, did he play with he played Boston? 80 the next year. He played 80 the next year, but they didn't win. They didn't win the cup, I don't think, that year. Actually, no, that's not right. He got traded there. They didn't win, and then he went back the next year and won. It was the next year that he won. So anyway, he had 14 points in 14 games when he first went to the Avs, and then he had nine points in 13 playoff games. The next season, in 2000-2001, that's when they won the Cup. He played 80 games. He had 59 points, plus 25. And then in 21 playoff games, he had 10 points. 
I mean, he was he was a nice addition to that team. I mean, I can't I can't discredit Bork's cup, but I mean, I see what you're saying about Hashik. You're, yeah, I mean, you're just stirring the pot. Are, are, no, I'm not stirring the pot. Come on, you can't really believe what you're saying. I can't believe what. What what are you asking? What I so I can clarify for everybody that you know I'm not going to get shit on on Twitter here because they're the geniuses of 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 hockey. Clarify what you're asking me. Um, I, I I don't I don't really know what I'm asking you. I mean, it was just kind of I don't know if it was just kind of something you said in the midst of a conversation, but it was you know you're like Dominic you said two Hashik. things yesterday. You said Dominic Hashik went to Detroit and and had to go to Detroit to win his cup. You basically said that Berdur was the best goalie of all time. Well, let me ask you, because I only gave my opinion. Who is the best goaltender to ever don skates in the National Hockey League? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. That's a very hard answer. It's a very hard answer. I think it comes down to three goalies. And who three are they? Well, in no particular order, it'd be Wah, Berdur, and Hashik. But I think, I mean, how do you not say that Dominic Hashik isn't the, how do you say that he's not the greatest goalie of all time? What do you mean? How can you say that he's not the greatest goalie of all time? I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. Two heart trophies. That's one thing Berdur didn't win was a heart trophy. You know, okay. I, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's a tough, it's a, anyway, here's what happened. So Craig, you went off on, on this show and we posted that as our soundbite because the Sabres are coming back with a new logo. You wrote, uh, Mike Pekka wrote to you after hearing, obviously, your soundbite or maybe even the segment of the show. He wrote, you were never on a good team, so you wouldn't know what they look like or what truly makes them a good team. Our 99 Sabres team was a great team. It's a great team. It's a good take. That was Mike Pekka. And then you wrote, yeah, you were a good team because of Hashik. I want to ask you just a simple question. Just a simple, simple, simple question. They had one 40-goal score. They had three What was his name scores. again? You called him what? Miralov? Miralov Shatan? It's Miroslav. Miroslav Shatan. Miroslav Shatan. 40-goal score. Great. They had three 20-goal scores. One was Mike Pekka, who was basically defending against the other, other team's best players. Okay, And he still scored 27 goals. He was the second-leading goal scorer on the team. Then you had two guys at 20. Does that sound like a good team? I think when he says right they now were... that that's, that, that's a strong team when you have a 40, a 27, and two 20s. No, it's not. Offensively, no, it's not a good those team. flashy teams, but I'll tell you what, there's something to be said. I can't, I can't piss on the parade, man. I can't sit there and... I would never have, I would never even think of saying what you're saying about that team, but that's not because I think you're wrong or because I think you're right. It's just because I, did I ever, did in I order ever to mention, get to the finals, like you, 
you gotta be good. Like you gotta play hard. You gotta play the right way. Well, you know yeah, what? You, and you listen, need great Edmonton Oilers. Remember that team? They were eighth. They just snuck into the freaking playoffs. They went to the finals. Did they deserve to go to the finals? Hell no, because they weren't a very good hockey team. But they went to the finals. Did they not? Do you remember that team? I think Pekka. There's was on a that lot team. of teams. Pekka was on that team too. Are you talking about great. 2005 six? Guess what? I'm probably going to get a tweet later on today from Michael, uh, you know, Michael Pekka. And he's going to tell me how great that team is, too. Maybe they're the greatest. They they had everything but goaltending. They had an older goalie playing really well in Dwayne Rollison that year. Who? And then he got hurt. Dwayne Rollison got hurt in the finals. And I can't remember who played after that. Listen. They're the greatest teams at overachieving. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. When you've got four 20-goal scorers on the 99 team, four, you have a 40, a 27, and two 20s. You have Michael Grosick, who, in my mind, playing against him my entire life, did not, he was not in my mind of ever being a dominant force. He was third. Do you know how many times Michael Grosick scored 20 goals? Twice. I'll give you a guess. He, he played, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, played like 12 years in the league. You know how many times he scored 20? Four. One, one time. One single time in his frigging career, and we're gonna sit here. And someone, I got my Twitter buddies sitting there telling me, "Oh my God, you got 20, 20 goal scores everywhere." No, you don't. You have a guy who overachieved in the biggest away, played twelve years in the league, and he scored twenty goals one year. Great, great. Well, we're gonna powerhouse, be talking- powerhouse team we have here in ninety nine. My God, how did they? How did they overachieve? Oh, my God. How about the other 20-goal score? Want to know who he is? 537 games. His name's Dixon Ward. Want to know how many times he scored 20 goals in the league? Hey, it all has to come together at the the right time. Just answer the question. Once. Twice. 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 Those are your two 20-goal scores. Hey, are you looking at the roster of that team right now? Yes, I am. Worst. What was the worst plus minus on that team? How many guys were in the minus? That's a question I want because they were known for being the. There were zero guys in the minus. That's no. Impressive. Sorry, I take it all back. I take it all. I take it all back. Uh, one guy snuck under the radar. His name Richard Smellick, who is literally one of the greatest 1992 Sega hockey players ever. I use Richard Smelik all the time for Buffalo because Richard Smelik was, it was almost like the glitch in the 1992 Sega hockey. He was minus nine, minus nine, which was actually very eyebrow raising because everybody on the team was plus. It's, it's pretty incredible that everybody, very impressive. That one very player impressive. on that team was only with the only one player was a minus, but get, but listen, I mean, you're asking, Hey, uh, riffs. Why is there only one player? On the team, a minus. I'll tell you why. Because they had the best goddamn goaltender in the league. That's why. 
It's not because okay. they outscored team because they didn't outscore anybody because their leading goal score, their leading point producer on the team had 66 points. 66. That's Mario Lemieux's number. Then they have Mike Pekka. Listen, Mike. Mike, I know you're listening right now. You're a hell of a hockey player. Sell a trophy winner. Captain two, two of times. multiple hockey teams. Two-time Selkie Trophy. Two times. Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist. He has everything. He played for the Detroit Red Wings back in 1988, and he was a star. Mike, you're a great player, but everybody behind you, underneath you, you were second on the points. You were second on the team. Detroit of Red Wings. He, played, he didn't play for the Detroit Red Wings. No, Toronto Red Wings. Yes. Toronto Red Wings. In the GTHL, he was, he was maybe one of the most legendary GTHL hockey teams ever assembled yeah. from what I understand. Yep. All right. Well, it's, it's all, it's Listen, all, I could go through this entire team. I could go through the entire team. Don't cause I'm numb of this conversation. Because You know what? I mean, people, I'm not taking away from this team being the tightest team in the national hockey league. They had the greatest chemistry ever in the league that year. They were as tight as you could possibly get. I won't take away from what they did. I'm not going to take away from what they did throughout the playoffs, getting to the playoffs, and then what they did in the 99 Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm not going to take that away from them. But we're not talking about what they did, I'm talking about the team that they had. The team that they had was very average with a super, super elite goaltender that was playing out of his mind. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So I never played with Hashik, but as I was saying to you, I, I played with Berdur just for one season. And I, and I would say the one thing that I, did when I was in New Jersey was I watched him because I he was by far the greatest player that I ever played with. I mean, you played with Patrick Waugh. I don't know how many players you played with that were maybe bigger than he was. I'm, I'm sure there might be. I mean, there's probably a, maybe a couple, but I don't know. I never played with anybody with the stature of Berdur. He was by far the mega player that I ever played with. And I can, all I can yep. say to you about this is that he is not your typical goalie. Like when what you, do you mean by that from his laid back routine. Okay. Um, to his body type, to his, just how he approaches the game. I mean, he's just different. He just stops. Did pucks. he feel that he was the best goaltender? Did he, what do you mean? Did, he, did ever, he know that he was the best goaltender in the world? Did he know? Uh, I, I don't think he ever, to, to me, I never got the impression like I thought I was talking to someone that knew how great he was. I think, I, I think I was playing with someone. If you were to who, ask him. I think I was playing then. with someone who understood the accolades that he was receiving. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And he was very aware of who his, his opponents were in terms of, who he's competing with competing against 
as the best in the league because he yeah. was nominated that year as a Vesna. Uh, if you were to ask Martin Brodeur, I don't think if he he's the best. Is he the best goaltender in the world? What would he say? I think he would say, I think that's a tough answer. I, I, I think he would talk to uh, talk about eras. I think he would pay tribute to a lot of goaltenders that came before him, like a Jacques Plante or guys like that. Like, I think he's very respectful toward the game, but behind closed doors, I'm sure he has to be looking at his trophy case in his, in his house and be like, you ever see that commercial they think is the enterprise commercial where they're like towing around all his hardware, all the yes. and yes. Stanley cups and all that. And I'm just thinking to myself, you look at that guy's trophy case and it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, the Jennings trophies, how many he's one of those. I mean, yeah, I think he's got to probably know that he's up there as one of the top couple greatest of all time. I think he has to hear it all the time. Yeah. And Dominic Hashik, same thing. Like I would have to imagine that Hashik, Wah, and Berder respect each other, but also don't like each other. But I could be completely wrong. Completely wrong. From a competitive I think if you were, uh, Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you were to ask Dominic Hasek, who's the best goaltender in the world, it would take him less than a second to say himself. No way. Yes way. No, I don't. If think you so. were to ask uh, Patrick Waugh, who's the best goaltender in the world, he would say himself. Because arguably, you could. So I don't you, think they would. Yes, they would. Absolutely. Deep down inside, not not in a national, um, you know, interview. I'm talking about behind closed doors. Who's the best in the world? Who's the best in the world? Are you better than Hasek? Absolutely, I'm better Hasek. If you ask them all, they would all say because they are okay the behind closed doors. Maybe they and they probably ultimate could say that. And all three of them, Patrick Waugh, Dominic Hasek, Martin Berdur, can be in the conversation, and you can make. An incredible uh, debate for all of them. For all of them. Yeah, I agree. You know, here, here in Buffalo, here in Buffalo, I had said that Martin Berdur, because I had played against all three of them throughout my entire career. I think Martin Berdur is something special. I think he was a big, mobile, but he was very structured. Um, Patrick Waugh was the same. He was he was the drop to the knees, move side to side, cover the net. And then you have this goaltender that was unlike any other goaltender that we've ever seen in the game of hockey. It was like throwing a fish that you just got pulled into the boat and threw him in the crease. That's what Dominic Hasek looked like. He's flapping all over arms like, you know, it was in, it was incredible. Um, all, all of them. Are 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 incredible goaltenders. So I'm, my I'm opinion is that Martin Berdur has something over the other two. Okay, so I'm playing my first game as a New Jersey Devil, and Patrick Eliash was not in the lineup because he had had an off-season procedure done. So I was sitting in his stall for the time being. Okay, his stall was right beside Marty's. So. I end up spending my first two months in New Jersey sitting beside Berdur. And that opening game, I'll never forget, we played Philadelphia. I think we lost 4-2, maybe 4-1. Anyway, there, it was amazing because M Marty and took me out for dinner with his family the night before my first game as a New Jersey Devil. And then here I was sitting beside him my first game as a New Jersey Devil. 
And I remember a few days prior, he was talking about this theater that he had put in his house, okay, over the summer. So we're sitting there completely dressed, head to toe, just about to go out for, I don't know if it was warm up or the game. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about Riley Cote and I can't remember if they had somebody else, but my head was, and I just, I needed to get my mind off of what I was thinking about. And I turned to him and I said, Hey, uh, tell me about that theater. Like you have to say this to the greatest goalie maybe ever right before a game. It's my first game in New Jersey. So I have no idea what he's like. I just assume they're all the same. And he says, or I said, Oh, never mind, never mind. Sorry, bad timing. I said, I just I needed to change the conversation in my head that I was having. He goes, No, no, no. He, was, he said, one thing you learned about me is that I'm not like uh, every other goalie or your buddy Ryan Miller. He goes, I he goes, I'm very relaxed before games. You can talk to me. That's what he, that's what he says to me. <laughs> so, anyway, so we start talking about his theater before the game, right? And we go out, we lose, and we come off, and I'm sitting there, and I remember the media come in and I could have been dressed and out of there by then, but I needed to see his post game because I sat beside Ryan Miller for five years, right? So, so I, I needed to see how the greatest goaltender ever did a post game press conference after a loss. Okay, like to me, this stuff was like fascinating as a teammate, right? To see how guys respond, and he's smiling in his interview. You know, like he's he's not laughing at the loss. He's not making light of the loss. I think there was a play that happened and he chuckled about it and he laughed. And I said, man, you said, you, I said, you laugh after a loss too. I said, he was, he said, you know how many games I've played? You know how many games I've won? You know how many games I've lost? He said, you know how many games I've tied? He said, we have a game in two days. He's like, he's like, what are we going to do about it? You know what I mean? His, he's so different. He's just, he's different. And I think that to me is what separates him from everybody else because he is not one of those typical goalies. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry for wasting your time with that story, but no, I love that because everybody's different. You know, he, 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 he talked about Ryan Miller or you talked about Ryan. He mentioned Miller. Ryan, Ryan Miller. Miller. Ryan Miller is, is, um, everybody's different. I've, I, I played with, um, I played with Jeff Hackett. You remember Jeff Hackett? Yeah, a little bit uh, played a little bit in Chicago, came to Montreal. Amazing goaltender. He played in my first. He had a shutout my first NHL game against Philadelphia. Yeah, he was he was awesome. I loved hack. um, But oh, my Lord, on game day, on game day, you did not even look at him. He was he did his routine, the same thing. He, you know, it was like you just stayed away because that was his demeanor. Then we had this new up and coming whippersnapper in Jose Theodore, who is a, a very different. He was talking and laughing in the, the training room, stretching, getting ready, you know, very open. You know, I went to San Jose years later. And I played with uh, um, uh, Evgeny Nabokov. Very calm, very approachable. But when game time started, he was very much like Joe Thornton in the sense they were goofballs and having fun and smiling. But when it there was a they switch that went off. That when they walked out on that ice, they were they were the ultimate competitors. Evgeny Nabokov was awesome. And then I came here to Buffalo and I dealt with Ryan Miller and Ryan Miller is, I mean, he is the most dialed in 
professional I think I've ever played with in in the 16 years that I played pro hockey. Very that serious. I played approach. in the NHL. And I'm not talking at the rink before games. I'm talking his game starts every day when he wakes up, what time he goes to bed the night before, what he, what time he wakes up, what he's putting in his body liquid wise and food wise for energy, how he comes to the rink. He's there early. It's how he stretches. It's how he prepares. It's how he gets it gets his equipment ready. Then he goes on the ice and I hate Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller in practice was the type of guy who did not want any goal scored against him. I'm talking how many, how many shots is Ryan Miller taking in practice? Like hundreds and hundreds of shots. And he is furious if he lets one in. He's pulling the puck out of the net. He's whipping it down the ice. He gets pissed off. Derek Roy's pump, doing the pumpernickel as he goes by because he just absolutely roofed one. And he knows that he wants to piss off Millsy. So now all of a sudden, it's like the, the dynamic of practice went differently because P- Miller's pissed off and Derek Roy's being, being Roy'sy. It was awesome. That's how these, everybody's different in the way that you prepare yourself. And there's no one, there's no one better situation than the other. It's just what you need to do to be, be the best you can be. Right. So I have one, I have one, I remember a practice, you know, when you do half shooting after practice, Millsy wanted some half shooting on a game day. (laughs) And I remember I was standing. So in the half circle, if, if you're looking directly at the net, I was to the right about two or three guys, okay? So I was closer to his glove side, okay? And I'm a left-hand shot. So I remember it came to me, and if you score, you get another one. You know what I mean? Like if you shoot and you don't score, you're out. If you shoot in the half circle and you score, you get another one until the goalie saves it. So I I ripped one right over his glove, okay? Okay. Because, right, he used to go out with his glove. That's how he used to. Yeah. Right. He used to come out with his glove. He didn't go up with it. He came out. Yeah. And I got, and he turned around, kind of hunched over as he normally does. And he scoops the puck out and he shot it back out to me to to take the other shot. Right. Same spot. (laughs) Top corner, top glove. He turns around. He turns around slowly. And I think Mikey Ryan was sitting beside me who knew Millsy maybe better than anybody. And he said, if you get another one, he is going to lose his shit. (laughs) Right? I told you. And I'm going to tell you what people don't understand listening to this story is you would probably pay any money just to be on one knee in your hockey equipment watching this go down silently, just (laughs) watching Ryan Miller's body language, his facial expressions, everything. You know that there is a volcano <laughs> that is going to erupt. coming out of his ear because he's so And I'm trying not to laugh, right? So, like, the best thing is no one wants to make – everyone's got their gloves up over their mouth because they know if they start laughing, Millsy's going to lose his shit, right? Yeah, but you know what's making it even worse? That because you're such a goofball and you're being quiet, that is way worse. <laughs> yeah, no, because I'd normally probably- you <laughs> – Probably should have been mouthy. Yeah. So what happened? What happened on the last shot? Third go third one goes in. Third one went in. 
I scored. I, I skated off. I didn't skate off because I wasn't allowed to get off early on a game day, but I skated to the other end because I just, I felt I had to laugh and I thought he was going to slash my teeth out of my mouth. Did he, did he get off after? No, that? no, what no. Happened? He finished. He finished. But I mean, it was, I just, <laughs> I went in after and he's sitting there and I was like, I had you figured out today. Hey, Mills. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, anyway, anyway. Okay. So we're talking Atlantic division today. You've been wanting to talk about this one for a while. This, we saved this one for last because you thought it was the bigger discussion. And I, I listened to it. I listened to the, the segment about the Atlantic. And I, one thing people need to realize, whatever we say about the Sabres, we talked about it literally the morning Tage Thompson signed. So we've been breaking this up. So you know, he signed. I've actually been getting some heat on that one. People think that you're the next, you know, coming of Nostradamus because you predicted this a while ago. Paul Hamilton's praising you. Craig Gravey doing the victory tour. But he got a seven-year deal, $50 million. Some people agree with me, though. Some people agreed with me about too soon. Some people there's a think, lot. There's there's a 50-50 split on this. You think it's 50-50? I, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like I've I've been um uh I don't I don't like I feel like people have disagreed with my thought more than agreed with it, but I mean I don't no, know. Maybe- no, I I I don't agree with that. I I I uh, I've read a lot of the the comments um over over Tage signing, and um there is there is fifty percent that have uh a lot of concern, okay, because Tage Tage has only done this one year. He's really only done it. He's really only done anything in the NHL. He's 24 turning 25. He's really only had one year. On the other side, there's a lot of people that think that Tage has come of age. Tage has solidified himself as a number one center in the league. Tage's size, skill, skating ability, hockey IQ is, um, and, and, the ripe age of 24 turning 25 that Tage's best years are going to come in the next five, six, seven years. Okay. And instead of allowing Tage to go and play one more year, which is, which is if they did that, I would have no problem with that. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be sitting here um, going against. Well, someone uh, even said to you, uh, Lisa, why does Andrew always have to disagree with you? And I, and you said to this person, because he actually feels that way. And I, I truly do believe that they should have waited on Tage, and, but this and that's this, okay. And, and I'm and okay I, with, and I am okay with at the end of this year, if Tage scores 32 or 40, whichever, somewhere in that's that range. Yep. And they're and like, puts up 75 points. I'll say good. I said, I'll say great move. I will say yes. that because I'm not okay. GM. But, I don't, but you're, you know, that you're going to be paying them eight and a half million minimum. But that's why minimum. I'll say great deal. That's why I'll say that's a you know great signing, good job for the Sabers. You know I well, didn't I think, see this coming. I think that's what 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 uh, you know Kevin Adams and his staff is looking at is they've had the ability to watch Tade Thompson um, flourish in areas under Don Garnado, uh, under his tutelage. Um, the team seems to be getting stronger around him. Tage is a major, major piece to this. Okay. He is a big boy piece to this puzzle. And I think they, they've had the ability, the coaching staff, Kevin Adams and his staff has had the ability to watch Tage Thompson for the past year evolve into what he 
what what they're seeing. They do not feel that Tage Thompson is a is a one hit wonder. They feel that Tage Thompson has the skill set, the skating, the shot, everything else to continue to do what he's done last year. Okay. He may not score 38 goals. He may score 28 goals and have 70 points. It's still one hell of a season. Okay. And I don't think that Kevin Adams and his staff. Well, what if he, what if he doesn't, what if he, what if his numbers don't shift? What if he has 28 goals, which is what? 10 less goals. Yeah. Okay. Which would bring him to 62 points. I mean, now I granted, still, he, he, I still think if you're if you're getting 28 goals and 62 points in the NHL, a seven million dollar player, that that's that's the going rate for a guy who's okay. putting that right. kind of numbers up. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But that's that's what, all you what, need to say. What I'm saying is, I believe that with the team getting stronger, with Rasmus Dahlin going from you know, uh, so what is he uh, a 20 year old, 21 year old player? He's older, stronger. Yoki Haru's older, stronger. Matthias Samuelson. I think the defense core got stronger with Owen Power and um, uh, the new addition on defense. Um, Lelia Labushkin. Lelia Labushkin. Um, I think that if Tage puts another year together, which I feel that he will personally watching Tage, I think that Tage Thompson could have 35 goals and 75 points next year. And if that's the case and he finishes this one year deal, he's going to be looking at eight eight and a half million dollars yeah uh, and it and so it i like the idea contract. of signing cage early i like the idea okay. because he's coming into the best years of his nhl career starting next year and i love the idea i think we're going to be looking back on this deal in three four years from now saying that's a really good deal i think kevin Thompson. adams has done a very good job i thought he did a great job with the eichel handling and trading uh, the Darlene deal wasn't was a no brainer. That's a good deal with the the Darlene. I love the I love the shorter one, right? Yeah, for and 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 here we are at his first big long term signing, and we'll see how it plays out. Enjoy the Atlantic Division. Uh, what do we call it? I guess preview. Great discussion. Best worst. It is a good discussion. I was surprised where you had some of the teams. Enjoy. All right, moving on from the uh, Pacific Division. Let's go to the uh where are we on now the atlantic yep get to it um i'm curious to know what your what your thoughts are with the winner with the with the number one team that'll that'll come out of the atlantic toronto maple leafs boom i concur i think toronto i think they're destined i think they're hungry I think their their youth is continuing to improve. I think they've gotten better in goal. I think they've gotten better on defense. I think they they you still have some of better the- on goal in goal. I think Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov is better. I like the shot they're taking on Samsonov. That could be one that pays off. The Matt yeah. Murray one to me, well, I, a bit I of a head scratcher. Yeah, listen, I mean. The way I look at it is uh, they're not breaking the bank going out and signing, you know, Matt Murray. Right. 
No, but you know, I know Ottawa picked up part of his salary, so they're paying up four point seven million, which is not a lot for a number one. I I, I just think um, I think he's at he's at the ripe age of twenty eight, which is basically like the prime area of elite goaltending. I think Matt Murray had a had a struggle playing on a rebuilding hockey team in Ottawa. Okay, that did not have a strong defensive unit in front of him. I think he dealt with injuries, okay, throughout the season. I think it was a disaster from the minute he got there. Now, he's also a goaltender that's once two Stanley Cups. He's also a goaltender that has shown that he can be a very good goaltender. Now, I'm just looking at this saying, you know what? Would I have traded for him? No. I wouldn't have. But Dubas has made a decision to go after Matt Murray because he thinks that there is an opportunity there that this guy can go and play, what, 50 games for the team? 45, 50 games for the team where you're going to get some really good goaltending. Sergey Sam, uh, Lilia Samsonov is another guy that you know, has been in, in, uh, he's just basically been in, in, in Washington, biding his time, get waiting for the opportunity. He's only 25 years old. He's a goaltender that you might see pop, that you might see grab a position where he is. Oh my God. He's playing so well in Toronto. He's moved into number one. I think that's what Dubas is looking for. So I don't have a problem with the goaltending at all. They made some decisions. They went after it. You know, Mark Giordano, when you're, when you're paying Mark Giordano 800 grand, when he wants to come to your team because he sees something in your team, when he wants to come there and be a part of your team and sign for 800 grand, that's showing me that Toronto has something. He solidifies that back end, just makes it stronger, that leadership in the room that is going to help Matthews it's going to help Mitch Marner, William Nylander, uh, Alexander Kierfoot, guys like that. He's going to be in that room to help calm this group down. They're, they're very, 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 very talented group. We already know that. But I just think that there's, uh, you know, Michael Bunting. Can he continue to push and, and, and get better? Um, David, how do you say, uh, David Kampf? Comp, yeah. Comp. I'm sitting here just looking at their roster. You know, I like uh, they didn't do a ton, but they picked up that uh, Ube Kubel, Obe Kubel from uh, Colorado. Good solid fourth line cut, guy. Fourth line guy. They have Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford. Um, they got uh, Adam Gaudet. If you remember him at all? Yes. Uh, I remember him when he was in Vancouver. I, I, you know, he's a feisty little guy, isn't he? Yep. You know, so I mean, they, like they have. Probably might might not. I don't know if he's going to be in in the league. I don't know the status of his of his contract. He might be a guy that uh, he's on a one way, bud. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He makes seven hundred fifty grand. Listen, I mean, uh, Jason Bottrell years back went and signed what five guys for seven hundred fifty grand, and then stuck them all in the minors. Remember that? (laughs) Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Well played. 
Well, okay. So you, wait, you think Joey Anderson's going to play over Adam Gaudet? I don't. I don't. I think, think so. Adam Gaudet's going to be in the minors. Well, he may very well be. It all depend on the health going into the season. I just think Toronto's the number one team, which is surprising to me that you think they're number one because obviously you feel like the Florida Panthers have fallen off because didn't they win the President's Trophy last year? Yeah. Well. Uh, oh, that's the, right. Mac Weegers not on the team, so they're okay. Guess, well, here are they going to suck this? How about year I? Uh, how about I let you know? Uh, my feelings of uh, this has nothing to do with Mac, and I know you love playing and 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 poking the bear, but I'm gonna. You just tell me if you think that this is a President's Trophy winning team when you subtract these players. You want me to go? You just tell me when to go. Go ahead. Okay, so you're subtracting Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Claude Giroux. Ben Sherratt, Noel Achari, Mason Marchment, Vitrano, and you picked up this name, uh, Nikki. No, good recovery. So yeah, no, you're right. Okay, fair enough. No, no, no. Here, here's who they picked up. Matthew Kachuk. 36-year-old Mark Stahl. Bought-out hockey player Colin White. Nick Cousins. Okay. Point proven. Point proven. That's it. So... Yeah, point proven. Point proven. They have they gone, went backwards. They what a stupid ass trade that uh, that that GM made. I mean, good lord! It's too soon to say that. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I can tell you right soon. now, it's it, it it's a terrible trade. It's a terrible trade. Okay, so you give know, me the rest. Then give me the you rest. Got guys like Florida Lucas Carlson on defense. He's a solid kid. He's a kid, though. He's not. He's he is a barely an NHL hockey player. He's in their top four. Mark Stahl is seven years removed from being a top four defenseman in the league. Okay, I don't see Mark Stahl as a as a you know at at the age of thirty five. I don't see him as a as a great defenseman with the way the league has gone. Well, how much ice time do you think he's going to play? 14 minutes a night? Rocco Gudis was playing on their third pairing last year. Okay. Now he's in their top four with Lucas Carlson. Brandon Montour is playing with Mark Stahl. Those are their, those are four. Of the six defense. Well, why are you so, I don't understand. Why are you so uh, in love with the Leafs getting Giordano, but you're not in love with them getting Mark Stahl? Mark Stahl didn't have a terrible year last year for Mark Stahl. He's not, a, he's not an offensive guy. But, I mean, if you're just bringing him in there to be a steady support, I don't know why. Like I think that could be end up being a good move. Now, the rest of their defense is not that great. 
some glaring holes there. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not going to shit on the Mark Stall move because, you know, I went back and looked at his numbers. I mean, he had pretty consistent numbers in the last four or five years but that he's played. Mark, Mark Giordano was a defenseman, Petey, that was playing, you know, 23 minutes a night all the way up to the time he was 36. He's been a number one defenseman on Calgary for years. Only a couple of years removed, he won the Norris Trophy. So when we're yeah, talking okay. Mark Stahl and Mark Giordano, like, are we t- really talking the same thing? We're not. So, so, uh, I don't like the moves at all that that the the Florida Panthers made. I think they way overplayed their hand. I think it, it, it it's a terrible, terrible, terrible play. Okay, so give me the rest, like me the rest of the Atlantic here because I, I, I'm curious to know where you have so some we other have, teams. I have Toronto Maple Leafs as my number one. My top four is Boston, Tampa Bay, and the Florida Panthers. Boston at number two. Oh, yeah. Listen, I mean, Boston is not giving up the dynasty. They, they do not want to shut things down. You have a guy that literally bloody retired or somewhat retired from the National Hockey League, and now all of a sudden he's back at the age of 36 in, in David Krejci. Just wanted to go and hang out with in the Czech Republic for well, that had for, something to do with year. the coach, I bet. Mm, I don't know. I think he just needed a break. He needed uh, he needed to recharge the batteries. But when you go and look at the team, you know, Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. This is as good a as good a team or uh, a line you're going to get when you have David Krejci and his ability to make plays with Taylor Hall and a guy like Jake DeBrusque, who actually played quite well for them last year. When you have Charlie Coyle, six foot four Charlie Coyle, who plays a, a, a strong brand of hockey with Craig Smith. I don't know who else. But they, uh, Pavel, Pavel Zaka. Then they still have Nick Felino. They still have Trent Frederick, which I I like him as a fourth line guy. Chris Wagner. This is going to be this is going to be a strong team. Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick. That's a really really strong top four defense. You still have Connor Clifton, who is a beautiful scale a skater, puck mover. Derek Forbut who is, he's a big guy, um, solid defender, guy 6'4", 220 pounds. It's just a solid defender. 14 points, plus two in 76 games last year. Yeah, they have a nice they looking want roster, man. They have a nice looking roster. They have a undercover. Yeah, they do. Solid roster. If they can stay, if they can stay healthy, okay, they are going to be a very, very tough team to beat. It's going to be interesting. Yep. Yep. So Boston. I'd like know. to, my, my eye is on whether or not Linus Allmark hangs on to the number one job there in goaltender. Cause that uh, Swayman kid's pretty good, man. I think Linus is going to, I think he already lost it last year, to be honest with you. Uh, people are talking like that. So, so you had Boston at two, which I find shocking. Tampa Bay three. Okay. Who was four? No, I had Toronto as my number one team yes. in the Atlantic. Boston, I had Boston, two. Tampa Bay, and Florida. 
Florida was for. They're okay, undeniable. Now- they're an undeniable top four because the bottom four in the Atlantic is is like a bloody guarantee as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but you know what? You say that, but I think that's maybe one of the most interesting discussions around the league, to be honest with you, is of the the teams that were amongst the bottom last year in the uh, Atlantic division, who is the most improved? Because some of those teams got better. Ottawa got better. Detroit got better. Um, Who am I forget? Montreal got grossly better. Buffalo. Well, did they? No, Buffalo. I mean, then then there's Buffalo. Then there's Buffalo. And what they do? Well, you know what? Listen, they are on a much different path, I think, than some of these teams. <laughs> but they did pick up. A key I'm just poking him. I, I, I no, love they it. Didn't, they didn't do anything. Don't no. Don't get me wrong. And it's, they did discour- it's discouraging. And to it's, watch the, and it's the right move. I know. I, I, I trust me. I understand. Well, it's listen. It's the right move. There's four teams left. You have Buffalo Sabres. You have Ottawa. You have Montreal. You have Detroit. Out of those four teams what and and where do you think that they're going to fit in that is a very loaded question it depends on one thing because they did not make any moves really at all and that really depends on the next step that all these players make that are carrying on from last year. So you're talking about the next step with like Suzuki Caulfield. Uh, Who are you Kirby talking? Ken- are you talking in Montreal? Or are you oh, talking? I'm just, talking- I'm just talking in general. Like we're I'm just speaking- talking Montreal where Montreal sat in their hands or, 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 or Buffalo. There you just go. sat I'm in talking, their hands. I'm talking about the Sabres. Okay. But there's other teams that, that didn't sit in their hands. They, they went out. They know that they have a young core because Ottawa, Montreal, and Detroit, and Buffalo are all in the same position. But all their young players are tapped out. Like Detroit has, you know, they have that defense, the defenseman I know, but he is now at that upper echelon player. Maureen Sider is no secret to this league. Um, Dylan Larkin is no secret to this league. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is no secret to this league. So they're young guys. I know I'm forgetting a couple, but their young guys are now in the league where Buffalo, this is... Next year, they should be doing what Detroit did this year, which is add your cop and make some other moves, same as Ottawa, because all your young players are now there, right? That's where Buffalo's at. Yeah, And those players are obvious, and that is Tage Thompson, a repeat or something very close to last season. Okay, so... Alex Tuck, Alex, uh, Peyton Krebs, Casey Middlestad, massive question mark, massive question mark. We lost a year here in Buffalo of seeing what potentially this team could be because Casey Middlestad went down when he was a, there was a big spotlight on him last year at training camp. So that's, that's, and he performed by the way. So you ask where Buffalo for me stands. It really depends on how well they're players play because the new players that they have, if this makes any sense whatsoever, are the same players from last year, but they need to be different. They need to be better. You know what I mean? Do you understand? Yeah. They need to take a so, noticeable So just step let that, me 
separates me, them from who they were last year to who they are this year. Okay. So just hear me out when I say this. I don't so like you me. have teams like Ottawa. Okay. And, and, and Ottawa last year was two points. I think uh, they were two points behind Buffalo. In the standing last year, last year, they were two points behind. They had one more win. Ottawa had a mo- one more win than Buffalo, but they were two points behind. And I look into this year. I look to this year. Okay. Ottawa is a very interesting hockey team, right? So you have the, the Tim Stitzel, you have the, um, you know, where does, where does Brady Kachuk go at, at 22, you know, does Josh Norris, who just signed a massive deal for almost $8 million a year, where does he take his, his game to Drake Batherson, all these young guys, right? But Ottawa didn't sit on their hands. They went out and got Claude Giroux. They went out and got a 40 goal scorer and Alex Debrinkit. They went and traded for a goaltender that they felt that they needed in Cam Talbot. Do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, where does Jake Sanderson go? Who is, who is a high draft pick? He's 20 years old. All these young guys, Eric, uh, um, Brandstrom, Brandstrom, who is a high draft pick. Where do these guys go? Is this going to be a team that's going to be behind the Sabres? Or are they going to be ahead of the Sabres because they're doing the same thing as the Sabres, but they also went and picked up. I think it's completely unacceptable if the Buffalo Sabres finish behind the Ottawa Senators. It's what? Unacceptable. Even with the moves. Because... I don't think Ottawa has nearly the defense that the Sabres have. Maybe their goaltending is on par with, they're probably pretty even. And the forward expectation, the only, the only way that Ottawa Senators should beat the Buffalo Sabres is if they beat the shit out of them uh, physically. They go in and intimidate them, which is very possible because the Sabres are not a very physical team and that is putting it very lightly. So that is, that's the only difference I see because with what we saw last year from the Sabres and with all the excitement in Raz and that how happy they are and how much fun they're having right now, like they should be, they should be better than Ottawa. Well, you know, listen, I mean, that's where I just completely disagree with what you're talking about. When you go and you have the Ottawa Senators that had their team last year, but then went and got went and got guys like an out, out of sight, out of mind, Matthew Joseph. You know who Matthew Joseph is, right? Yes. Play for Matthew Tampa Joseph Bay. played for the Tampa Bay Lightning for the last like four years. Okay. He gets traded to Ottawa, plays 11 games there, and has four goals and 12 points. They've added his speed to this lineup, and he had over a point a game in, uh, with his time in Ottawa. They go and pick up Claude Giroux. Well, you know, Claude Giroux is, I would agree, still, you know, like, is he overrated? I don't know. He, he scored over 20 goals. He had over 55 points. I mean, 
when you bring a 40 goal scorer in to bring it, do you not think that this team's going to be better? How is it not better? They were two points behind the Sabres last year. Because I put more value on defense than I do on offense. Like, I believe the Sabres have a better defense core to play against those forwards. I really do. I I put, see, everyone sits and talks about goals and everything to me. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. I I get it. And I was a forward, but I sit and I think you don't win games or yes, you win games with goals. I get it. But you win games and you win those playoff series and you win championships by having an unbelievable defense core. Every team has had it. Every team that wins has what? Unbelievable defense. It's, it's a no-brainer, and the Sabres are starting to gear toward that. So when I look at, you know... But you're also bringing in a, a, a 20-year-old Owen Power who, who's played how many games in the NHL? Five, six, seven. Okay, and that's not a sample size for us to sit there and go, oh, he is going to be a game-changer. Is he going to be better than Mark Pissett? You're making my argument. Is he going to be made, better than uh, Miller? Yes, he's going to be better than all these guys. But what is he going to be? You know, I look know. at I, I look at Detroit, another team in in that same division that made some significant changes recently. David Perron is there. They picked up Andrew Kopp. You know, they they got Billy Huso, the goalie from St. Louis. I mean, they have made they got they got Ben Sherratt last year. Like they have made. So some, again, Detroit was behind the Sabers last year well, in the standings. They were one point behind the Sabers. But when you look at what Detroit did. They have young players on their team. We know that, but they also went out and brought in David Perron, who had a fantastic season. They brought in Andrew Cobb, who had a fantastic season. You know, Dominic Kubelik, who is like, guess who else they got? Guess who else they got last year during the season? Had uh, eight points for them in 18 games. Oscar Sundquist. Okay. Yep. Yep. From he St. was Louis like Blues. the right, right-handed. He actually played a little bit of center with St. Louis, but I really liked him. Yeah. Like Steve Eiserman is no idiot. Like Jacob Verana, I think. That was uh, a steal of a, of a deal, by the way, when they got him from Washington. Yep. 19, 19 points because he was injured a large uh, amount of the season last year with an injury and he came back and he had 19 points in 26 games, 13 goals. Like Detroit's going to be a good hockey team. I think they're going to make major strides. 13 goals in 26 games. Went and picked up uh, Ben Sherratt, Mark Pissick, just older guys to help with the young guys. Holy and I there. think that Detroit is going to take a step over over the Buffalo Sabres, I think that the Ottawa Senators with the Brinkett and Claude Giroux and guys like that are going to take a step over the Buffalo Sabres. And then it comes down to Montreal. What are your thoughts on Montreal? I'll I'll just read you the lines here. You tell me what you think. Nick Suzuki playing with Caulfield and Hoffman. You have Christian Dvorak who was hurt for three quarters of the year last year, is playing with Jonathan Drouin, who was hurt for three quarters of the year last year. He, they're playing with Josh Anderson. So you have Dvorak, Drouin, and Anderson. 
Your third line you just picked up, Kirby Dak. This is a third overall pick a couple years ago, four years ago. Hasn't come into his own yet. They also picked up a guy named Evgeny Dandanoff. Evgeny Dandanoff had 25 goals in Vegas and was given to Montreal for basically nothing. Playing with Dak Dandanoff is Gallagher. There's your top three lines. Your, th- your fourth line is Jake Evans, their defensive center that kills penalties with Joe Armia and Polly Byron. Montreal will be at the bottom of the division and conference with the Sabres and Philly. I don't know which order. But I feel like the I feel like that division has gotten a lot better. I think the Montreal Canadiens are going to be the worst team. And I think Buffalo is going to be right behind them. Or right ahead of them. You know, right now, and I'm not this is no disrespect to 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 Buffalo. I just think that 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 this this is a process. I don't like, I know there's a lot of people that don't like hearing process. They don't like hearing the term process. They don't like talking about process because they've been doing the process thing for 11 years and it hasn't fucking gotten them anywhere. This is different. Kevin Adams and his staff and their vision. I have agreed because if I didn't agree, I'd be telling you, but I agree with what they're doing. I actually agree with what they did this year by allowing their group of players the time to develop in order to get better in order to improve you have to play you have to play we have a lot of good hockey players on this team and and some of them are young paint krebs dylan cousins jack quinn young hockey players they need to play Casey Middlestat needs to play next year. Needs lots of ice time. Need to see where he's at. This is going to be a good hockey team. And they are a team that I think that could surprise a lot of people. But right now, with what I see, in order for me to sit here, and I'm talking, this is at the start of the season, right? This is at looking at what has been done, what has been added. I like Lily Labushkin. I like the Owen power that is going to come on defense. That's going to make this team stronger. I like Jack Quinn. It's going to make the team stronger. That being said, you have to show. I can't pick on paper. You got to show me that you guys are going to get better and take strides to becoming not a bottom five team because they've been a bottom five team for literally the last what eight years on this team. I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to, to say it when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres, there's a lot of pressure. You can sit and tell me there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Just go out and play bullshit. There are a lot of guys that have to take steps in certain directions in order for this team to be able to make pressure. You think to make their off their make their off season plans next year, doable to take the steps they want to, if they want to time this thing, right. They're on a good time path right now from when they started, but I'll tell you what, it can get derailed 
if you got if you got guys that aren't aren't there mentally. So I have these guys right now, like we had talked about before. In the Atlantic, I have them second from the bottom, just ahead of Montreal. Okay. When you look at the conference, I have them basically ahead of Montreal, Philadelphia, and that's it. How is that acceptable to you? You sit here and you say, oh, and that's the right thing. How is that acceptable? After guys like, you know, guys had turnaround seasons. I mean, are, or are we sitting here? Do we not? Do we really not know what we have in Buffalo? Okay, so what's going to happen here? It's going to be one of two things. Where I have them, I have them at like a 13-14. Like a they could be ahead of the Islanders too, okay? But what I see is the Buffalo Sabres are going to explode and surprise everybody when Jeff Skinner stays the course in what he did last year. When Tage Thompson goes from a 68-point season and 38 goals to scoring a 38-goal season with 87 points. That's and I need Alex Tuck. Craig. I need Alex Tuck to score 26 goals next year and have 65 points. I need Casey Middlestat to explode and have 27 goals and 67 points. I need uh, Victor Olofsson to continue to push his 30 goal season and maybe a 60 point. I need a guy like Dylan Cousins to be a 25 goal scorer, 55 point guy, along with Krebs. I need Jack Quinn to have a rookie season that everybody goes, holy shit, he's in the Calder uh, votes. I need him to have 25 goals. I need him to have 50 points. I need him to surprise everybody. I need Owen Power to be talked about around the league, not here in Buffalo because we love him. I need people to talk about Owen Power like they've talked about Kale McCarr or... Uh, <laughs> You know, Quinn, well, you know uh, Quinn true. Hughes. Cam Carr came into the league. He was shot out of a cannon in the playoffs, and he never looked back. I mean, yep. maybe, maybe kids. But I can just, do that I these need, days. I need him. I need. Cam, I need Owen Power to be talked about. Mort's cider right now in Detroit. I need him to have a presence that every because then you know that he's done something special. I need Lilia Labushkin to be the most irritating guy besides. Uh, Racco Gudis in Florida on defense. I need all these things. I need this goaltending. I need Eric Comrie to come in here to solidify and guarantee himself that he is the number one guy because you're sitting there looking at his, this kid going, how the hell did Winnipeg not sign him? That's what you need. And if those things happen, we will not be sitting here talking about doomsday about where our team is in the bottom of the standings. There's going to be a point in time when this team develops, matures, are not happy with being the bottom feeders, and they want to be, they want a taste of the dance, the big I have, dance. I have one more question before I let you go about the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, how do I how do I word this question? It, because 
I'm just going to ask the question. I don't really give a shit how, how people think about it. No matter what happens, is Don Granado the coach after this season next year? That'll depend on this season this year. But if this is part of the path, I don't understand how you can question the results if you're saying this is it's the right thing It's a long and windy path. So you're okay. But at some time, the driver of the bus, if he's not doing the right thing, then there will be change. It's not I just about... The Sabres, I think the Sabres have a team that could be you know, finish a few points back of a wild card, but I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to finish that high. And I, I don't know if it's roster. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know. I don't know what it is. We are going, we are going to see. And they, but this is the great thing about it is they could completely surprise everybody. They literally could surprise. Well, you everybody. know what, it, you but know what it takes I to get into is, it for a I, wild card. I can't, it's almost like you're you're on on a jury, and you hear something, but then the judge says you have to strike that from the record, and you know forget that that was ever even brought up, because that's how I feel about the Sabers' last twenty games last year. Is I, I they don't mean anything to me. You don't yes, put any stock fun. into that they, at all. Pardon? I do. I I, I put, put stock any into stock it. into that. Okay. Well, we can differ on that, but in order to make the playoffs. The second wild card last year was the Washington Capitals. They had 44 wins and 100 points. The Sabres had 32 wins, 12 less wins, and 25 less points. If goaltending were different, the Sabres could have won six more games. Six more games. I would, I would think. Would you, would, you not, would you not think? I would have disagreed with you. Yeah, I'd, Six, I'd more, be, ga- six more games gives them 12 more, 12 more points, six. right? Yeah, good math. Two times six. Like the Sabres, if they listen, there's going to be a lot of people listen to this and they're going to be like, you're batshit crazy. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you this. I do. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I love to be proven wrong. I love to be proven wrong. Right now, with what I see, the Sabres are sitting at the bottom of, of uh, the Eastern Conference. But I, I, I believe that they are a team that has the ability to explode onto the scenes. And in order to explode, you need players like Dylan Cousins can't look like an average player. We need him to elevate his game. We need Rasmus Asplund to come to play. I need Jack Quinn to be a special uh, rookie. I need Peyton Krebs at age 21. We need him to elevate his game to be a, uh, you know, a 50 point player plus we need guys to take major steps that's what we need and i'm going to tell you it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the sabers made a major stride this year i agree with all that nice way to finish but until they do until they show us all all the fan base all the the media members the people from around uh north america they have to show us that things have changed. What's Elliot Friedman's stat? He has a stat. And what's the timetable for teams that are in or out of the playoffs? Do you know what that is? Sabres have until this deadline to prove they're for real or not, because the games only get harder from there on in. 
December 15th. Why do you say December 15th? I have no idea. It just came to my head. No, American Thanksgiving. It's okay. American. When's that? When's that? Uh, Normally uh, late November. Late November 20-ish. November 20-something-ish. Uh, yeah. All right. And that's normally when teams have proven, you know, kind of what they are and yep. what they're not. Now, some teams like St. Louis a few years ago defied all the odds and won the Stanley Cup being dead last on January 2nd. But that that's an anomaly. Yep. So that's why, you know, with everything you just said about the Sabres, I summarize it. It's the first 20 games of the season that will tell us exactly what we have because yep. every everyone seems to be clinging to last year and that epic you know fairy tale no, I would say fairy tale cuz but but you know what I'm saying great finish to the season where it left everybody was it a great was it a great like was it fairy tale or well, that's why I changed my words. good hockey that's for 11 why, years that's why I changed my words that's right quickly like our my expectation words. as fans here in this city has gone down so low because we've just lost so much. And now all of a sudden, when you have a team that's half decent, it, it's like, oh my God, this is glorious. Right. And the time that this is the problem, and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be a realist. The, the problem is they were good when it didn't matter. Yeah. I want to be Boston, who has just been, that's good for a decade. I want to be Tron, uh, the, the, the Florida Panthers, the Carolina, Toronto, the Rangers. It's just been good for so long. Pittsburgh Penguins. It's like, give me a friggin' break, man. Washington Capitals. Like, just fall off the, fall off the map. Please, let someone else play with the ball. That's what I want. And I'm going to tell you, the Sabres, they've got to take, take a piece out of the big boys. They got to take pieces out of Carolina and Florida and Toronto and the Rangers and Tampa and Boston and Pitt and Washington. Got to take those, got to take pieces out of the big boys this year. You just can't be spanked around like they have in the past. And, and teams like the Islanders, Columbus, Detroit, Ottawa, Jersey, Philly, Montreal, those have, those have got to be games where you lock them down. They're points. Lock them down. Wins. That's what you need. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.